welcome to the 2017 semester of Men's Leadership Network. Uh, I'm thrilled to have everyone here today. I'm excited to hear from Coach Bryce, and, uh, and we're going to get started here in just a minute. I want to welcome all the satellite campuses, everyone meeting uh, in Cool Springs at Bricks, and downtown Nashville at Flavor Catering, and then in Nolensville at Highway 55. Welcome to you all. As a reminder, all these uh, all these conversations are recorded and are live streamed, and so you can access them uh, somewhere down the road if you want to, or email them, share them with friends. So I want to welcome everybody that might be accessing us uh, online as well. Uh, we will go for about 30, 35 minutes, and then we'll pause and take some questions. So if you have questions this morning, feel free to tweet those in. The Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net, or you can email those in at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. Performing well under pressure, making the most of every second, and pushing past adversity to achieve your personal best is what Vanderbilt Commodore's men's basketball head coach, Bryce Drew, is all about. As a college student, Bryce invested himself in the game, becoming the most decorated student athlete in Valparaiso men's basketball history, scoring a record 2,142 points. He played in three NCAA tournaments, and his most memorable tournament shot came against Ole Miss, I remember this one, in 1998, as he drained a three-pointer off a Hail Mary pass to win the game as time expired. They advanced that season to the Sweet 16, and his clutch performance is still remembered as one of the greatest buzzer beaters in NCAA tournament history. After graduating in 1998 with a bachelor's degree in sports management and a minor in business, Bryce was drafted in the first round of the NBA draft by the Houston Rockets. During his six seasons in the NBA, he played for the Rockets, the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, and the New Orleans Hornets scoring more than 1,000 points. Bryce then returned to his alma mater in 2005, where he served as assistant coach and then head coach until 2016. While there, he led the Crusaders to four Horizon League titles in five seasons and was named the Horizon League Coach of the Year three times. Now as Vanderbilt men's basketball head coach, Bryce's desire to lead his team to success is as strong as ever. This season, he led the Commodores to their first NCAA tournament berth since 2012. Off the court, Bryce and his wife, Tara, are the proud parents of Bryson. Today, Bryce joins us to talk about faith under pressure and what that looks like and how to be prepared when the stakes are high. Please join me in welcoming Coach Bryce Drew. Yeah. Coach. Uh, welcome, Bryce. We're so Thank glad you. you're here, man. Thank you so much. And uh, just tell us what it was like. I mean, your first year at Vandy and you make the NCAA tournament, you know, how was that feeling? Well, first, it's a great place to live. Yeah. So, so Nashville's tremendous. Everybody knows uh, listening. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vanderbilt's a very unique and special university, yeah. not only academically, but also competing athletically and, you know, debatably the best conference in the country. We believe the best conference in the country. Yeah. A lot of people would agree with you on that. Good, so. <laughs> good. And so, uh, so it, it's, been a, it's been a great year. You know, it's been a year of transition, mm -hmm. um, a year of a lot of learning, a lot of growth. Uh, but at the end, it's been very fulfilling. Wow. So did you feel like you had the team to make the tournament when you came? Or did you feel like, hey, this was a, this is a big, I mean, you made it. I mean, it's, that's a big accomplishment. Well, we arrived about a year ago, and we arrived when we had three healthy bodies on our team. Wow. And so when we did our workouts the first day, we were kind of like, are we going to have enough players to play next year? Because everybody was injured. And, uh, you know, I got to give great credit to our coaches, our strength coach, our trainers. Mm. You know, we tried to get guys healthy. And so we really couldn't see our team, you know, for quite a while. Mm. And um, Luke Cornett, when he finally got healthy and was playing like wow. he could, you know, he changed our season. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we thought we had a, had a potential to make the tournament and, and make a run because of how good he was and how improved the other guys had been. 
Well, it was fun to watch you this season and to follow Vandy and just get excited about it. And man, I mean, you so much potential and you just, you reached it. And uh, so we were excited cheering you on. Now, you're no stranger to the NCAA tournament. We heard that in the introduction. And uh, we have a clip of when you hit that shot. So I want us to watch this because that was, you got to talk us through this after that. Okay? Hopefully we upgraded the, the HD on it so it looks a little clearer. <laughs> yeah, it, was it, was a little, it was a little while ago. <laughs> let's, let's check this out. So it was a big shot. It was really good. Harder pressure. It's to check. It's the truth for the win. Good. <laughs> Hey, I remember watching that. I remember watching that game. Tell me, I mean, what was that like to hit that shot? You know, well, I got to go back a little bit before the shot. Okay. So growing up as a kid, my dad was a college coach. So grew up in the gym, loving basketball. And so the NCAA tournament was always, you know, a special time oh, of year. Yeah. I always enjoyed watching it. As a kid, I would be upstairs and it was bedtime. And I would try to sneak around the corner and watch the championship game. And eventually my dad would be like, you know, just come down, come down and watch it. <laughs> And so, so growing up, I always wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. I always wanted to, you know, mm. hopefully be part of that excitement. And I always wanted to, I always practice in the backyard making game-winning shots. And so wow. it was just kind of, you know, very fulfilling and very, I feel very blessed to have all of that kind of come together at one point, you know, in the NCAA tournament to yeah. make a shot like that. My brother was the assistant coach. My dad was the head coach. And so it was just a really special moment, not just for all the media, you know, attention it got, but also just for all the hard work for the years yeah. and the passion of the years, you know, leading up to it. Wow. Was that, was that your favorite moment in sports? Uh, it, it probably definitely yeah. was. And I think it was because, again, my family was involved with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was part of my dad's vision, part of my brother's hard work. And then, you know, growing up in Valparaiso and, and the people that have followed me through high school, you know, got to be part of it all too. That's just, that's incredible. I mean, that's just a dream come true. So then you went to the NBA. So tell us what it's like to play in the NBA. I mean, you were six years in the NBA. You know, the, 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 the NBA is a, it's an unbelievable experience. Is it? And, and growing up, again, besides the NCAA tournament, the next thing is I want to play professionally. And many watch the NBA on TV and, and I watched it growing up. I watched it in college and I'm like, man, these guys look like they're not moving too fast. Looks like, you know, they don't play hard every night. And, and I was like, man, I can step in and just, I'm going to outwork guys. I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and you come, you know, that first practice, it's like, man, these guys, they, they're not coasting. It's like, everybody's just so fast and athletic. It looks like everybody's not going as hard. And, and it was a, it was a very um, fun time for me because I got to see every city across the U.S. got to play with um, like 13 different NBA All-Stars, played for Hall of Fame coaches, and really learned a lot, met a lot of people. Wow. And, and so for me, you know, I, again, I don't think, truly, I don't think I was good enough to be there six years, um, but it was a great opportunity just by doing the right thing, working hard, um, being there when the team needed you. You know, I was able to stay in, you know, for, for quite a few years. That's Pretty impressive, though. Six years in the NBA is pretty awesome. So. Your average lifespan is four, and I would have players on the bench look at me and be like, how many years is this for you? And I would tell them, be like, wow, it's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if I should take that good or bad, but I'm still here. That's awesome. So think about this. Uh, help us process, because sports, it seems like there's so much pressure, right? You've mm -hmm. got the extreme highs. 
And then you have the extreme lows. How do you prepare for that personally to experience those kind of emotional, you know, ups and downs? You know, I, I think, again, sports, and I talk to our players about this a lot, is, you know, it's a preparation, and, and it is life. Like, the same lessons you're learning in sports is what you learn in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure many of you have families um, that there's a lot of ups and downs. You have jobs that there's ups and downs. You have relationships, again, with friends maybe that are up and down. And so the stock market up and down, I mean, and there's a lot of things that, that, that you have to deal with. And so I think sports gives you a chance to, again, work on those things. And, and again, I think I learned a lot through the NBA. We had about 100 games a year. And, and so you couldn't get too high or too low. You had to be ready the next night for a game, whether you had a good one the night before or a bad one. And I think that balance has really helped me as I've gotten older is to recall a lot of those experiences and just, you know, whether we have a great game and, and we beat Florida or a bad game and we lose to Alabama, you know, and, uh, and Crutch, I hope you aren't not cheering back there. But <laughs> We, uh, you know, to be able to stay consistent and keep the process, you know, the process is kind of what, what, you know, I thrive with mm. our team and, and, and with how I do things in my life. Yeah, and I love that you said that, Bryce, because I do think we can find our identity in the, in the highs and then even in the lows. And so I think that is a huge lesson in life. And, uh, and sports seems to do that. Sports mm-hmm. seems to bring out the best in you, but also can bring out the worst in you, you know. How do you, how do you help your... You know, because you, you have this team you coach, but you really disciple these young men too. How do you help them process and prepare for that? You, you know, I, I think uh, before I get to the process, the highs and lows. Yeah. I, I had a great example since we showed that, the video <laughs> clip when I was in college. The, we won the next game. We went to the Sweet 16, and we were kind of one of the first mid-majors in a while to, you know, with that magnitude to do that. So there was a lot of media attention. When we actually got back to our campus we had at over 100 different media outlets and TV stations um, were waiting for us. Wow. You know, we could, our bus couldn't even pull up to the gym. And so there was just so much attention. And then a week later, we lost. And all of a sudden, it was like complete silence. Like <laughs> not many people were there when we got back. And I remember waking up and going and looking in the mirror. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy because for two, three weeks, it's just been nuts with all the attention and all the media and different things and Mm -hmm. I was like you you know what you know God's constant you know this fame this you know short-term success Mm -hmm. you know people come and go but you know God's with me right here in this empty room looking in the mirror and is always with me and I think that was a time in my life I think another one was a growth thing that you know what God's going to be the constant one for me not all this other stuff Um, but then you know going through the process to, to speed ahead to that you know, again, we, I, I, I try to lay a foundation of, of obviously some goals and things that I want, you know, moving forward, mm-hmm. uh, priorities, a list of, you know, what's most important. And then, again, I just try to do the best that I can. You know, there's a saying out there, you know, you handle the effort, God will handle the results. And, you know, try to align my principles uh, with how they should be in, in, our, in our work on how it should be in our process. And then at the end of the day, we don't have control over, you, yeah. know, you know, a lot of results. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and finding your identity in Christ instead of your identity when, hey, I have a big win, but then, you know, I may lose the deal too, or this may happen in, you know, my family. And if you find your identity in those things, they're always changing, right? Mm-hmm. But Christ is constant. So how did basketball, did it help grow your faith or did it hinder your faith? You know, probably a little bit of both, really, uh, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I think growing up, it, you know, and like a lot of people, it's not, not a, a genie you rub, but, you know, you pray that, hey, you know, God, please let us win. Let's have a good game. And then as you grow a little more in your faith and you mature, 
You're like, you know, it's, it's not, a, I'm serving God through this and through this platform and, and trying to use it to make a difference, you know, for him. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, from when I was young, you know, it probably hindered my faith a little bit. Mm. Um, but then as I've grown older, you know, I definitely think that, you know, it's helped my faith grow stronger. And because of the ups and downs, again, of those silent times and those, those low times, but then also the high times, just knowing that, you know, it's not that I'm drawing great X and O's. It's not that, you know, certain things are happening, but, you know, we're just relying on, on God and, and, yeah. and on Him to hopefully, you know, bless our work and, and give us a great platform to serve Him. Yeah. Well, Bryce, just watching you coach, you bring your faith into coaching, and, and, and I love that. And Talk about that a little bit, because I know being at a, a you know, private, secular, mm-hmm. you know, university, sometimes that's a, a challenge, but how do you allow your faith to impact uh, where you coach? You, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is living an example. Mm. So, you know, I do player meetings, we do team meetings, you know, just during the course of practice, how we interact with our players, things that we say, and just as more importantly, things that we don't say. Uh, to them, uh, how we interact with our families around them, how we live our life, things that we talk about in our conversations, you know, hopefully just by living our life and then being around us, because during season, we're around our players even more than what we're around our families, yeah, so. yeah. and so they see us more through those ups and downs, how do you react if I miss a shot, how do you react if we lose a game, and again, they're observing all of this, so how we live our life, we as coaches think that's our best example that we can show them Christ. Mm. Then, you know, what we do is, is, you know, we'll make a lot of things optional with the team, um, things that they could participate in and things that they could choose not to. And, you know, like anything in life, you, you want to give people choices. You don't want to make them do things. Mm-hmm. And it's more gratifying when people want to be part of, of it. And so we give some opportunities for people if they do want to develop um, in those, some of those areas, you know, they can. That's, that's fantastic. How, you know, do you help kind of bring prayer into whether it's you personally or whether it's with your coaches or even with your team? Mm-hmm. How, do you allow that or do you kind of say, hey, well, let's, let's step back here? You know, with our staff, you know, we, we, we definitely um, are a prayerful staff, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in what we do. And that's a big part of starting our day and, and starting, um, you know, a lot of our things that we do. Um, you know, as a team, we, we make optional, mm-hmm. you know, but we will include it if, if players are, are open to it. You know, at the end of the day, I've coached um, people that are of no faith mm-hmm. and have no idea, no clue, and don't want to pursue a faith. I've coached, you know, players that have different, you know, faiths, different mm-hmm. religions that they follow. And so, you know, at, at no point do we want to turn anyone away from you know, the love of the gospel and, and, you know, what we're trying to do. But we also don't want to compromise who we are. Mm-hmm. And so we really try to balance those things with our players that, that um, you know, we want them to grow. But again, hopefully through our actions and how we live, that'll speak the best. And then they'll start asking questions and going from there. And see, I think that's so important because all of us are in different environments, right? And whether mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, at Vandy and coaching or Valpo or whether it's in our office, our workplace. And mm-hmm. we all have different people who are at different uh, places in life. And there's sometimes a kind of, we feel like, how do I navigate this? You know, how do I bring my faith into the workplace? Uh, and yet I think you've done that well. And, and I just want to commend you on that. What encouragement would you give to, to guys just even in our workplaces? You, you know, I, I think, you know, one thing that I've learned in my short coaching career 
is, you know, I, I think leading and, and leadership, I think God gave everybody different skills, different, what, different ways they can do it. Mm-hmm. And one person can grab a guy in their office and talk to him for two hours and, and change, change their life or make a big impact. Another one might just be a great example for three months and a different personality might be attracted to that guy to say, hey, why do you do this? And, and it might start a short conversation and then lead to more. And, you know, my big thing is for our staff is, you know, let's just be who we are. And, and as you recruit players or as we go out in the community, you know, people will be attracted to the different personalities, you know, that we have. And so we never want to force anything or force leadership or, or discipleship. Mm. You know, we want, you know, hopefully for that to come naturally. And so, you know, the biggest thing I guess I would, you know, say that's kind of worked for, for our staff is just, again, being yourself mm. and letting the people come to you, but at no time compromising the gospel or, or not living a way, you know, that want to be a great example for someone watching you. Yeah, and I, I love that because I do think what you're talking about is the, is the stakes are high, right? And it, it's not just, hey, winning basketball games, which is important, right? You want to keep your job and you want to thrive and you want to, you want to reach your full you potential. You probably wouldn't have me here if we were losing, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the stakes are high on that side of it. And, and all of us want to be great in our jobs. But when we really pull it back and we say, what is eternal? Mm-hmm. What's going to last? And so for us, God's placed us in a place, a job, or, you know, a coach, and, and we have a spiritual impact to make. And I think preparing for that as much as we prepare for our job is, is important. No you know? question. And if we're not prepared for that, we aren't going to be very good in our life or in our <laughs> job or, or, you know, in, in things that we do. But, you know, I, I, I think, again, you know, you, you hit a great point is with the coaching, you see this even more in a quick span, you know, a couple months. Mm-hmm. Again, you're going from extreme high to extreme lows. Yeah. And again, I think in those, those peaks and those valleys, you know, what are the outside people seeing? What are your players seeing from you? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that's something that sports because it magnitudes everything in that short season. Oh, it does. And, um, and again, during the losses is some of the times that our coaches have to be the most positive. You know, we have to be, you know, the most energetic mm-hmm. um, to show them that, hey, you know, there is more to life than just this loss that we played really hard and just lost at the end. And, and we're better than, than just this. There's more to us. And, and God loves us the same whether we won that game or didn't win that game. I think that's huge right there. And I think all of us, we, we lead people, you know, whether it's our staff, you know, or our families. I mean, so we're all in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. I mean, as men, God's put us in those leadership roles. And so for us to have that perspective that how we respond is communicating something to the people who are watching us, mm-hmm. you know. Now, tell me if this is true or not. I was at the, the game when you beat Florida in overtime, SEC tournament, and, you know, we were all, it was just a great celebration. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting by this lady who she comes, she's like the biggest Vandy fan ever, and she comes to all the practices. But she said, you know, what I admire most, most about Coach Drew is that I went to a practice, and I heard a kid say a, a cuss word, <laughs> and he said, okay, give me some push-ups, you know. And she goes, it was the most unbelievable practice because the coaches were there, it was positive, it was encouraging. How did you create that kind of environment where this lady who's just a fan goes and she's inspired mm-hmm. at a practice? How do you create that environment? You know, I, I, first, you know, my dad was a coach. And so I got yeah. to see him, you know, coach growing up and he's very positive. You know, he's always a glass half full guy, <laughs> not a glass, you know, half empty. And so, you know, got to see a lot. And then I think as a player, 
you know, I, I think you learn more sometimes by, again, just experiences by what you see, mm. what you hear, what you didn't hear that you wanted to hear. And again, if you go to the NBA, it's about 100 games a season if you make the playoffs and preseason and the regular season. So that's a lot of like wow. interaction that you see with players. And I think, again, you kind of get a feeling for, you know, what was good maybe at that time. How did the team react? Because when the coach leaves, you get to hear all these NBA All-Stars and Hall of Famers, you know, kind of give their feedback. And so I'm sitting here just kind of absorbing everything and, and trying to see what works, what doesn't work, and how do players respond best, what type of player responds best to these things. And, and so at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, I'm sorry, myself. No. And, <clears throat> and a lot of the guys responded better to, you know, positive reinforcement or, mm-hmm. or, you know, really good communication so they knew where they stood and things like that. And so that was something that I took into coaching. And then I get feedback. <clears throat> I don't know if a lot of you guys involve, you know, people around you for feedback, but I'm very big with getting feedback from our coaches, from our players, um, kind of through the process to help me how I want to treat them, you know, moving forward to get the best out of them. Because at the end of the day, you can't treat everybody technically the same because certain put- buttons might motivate someone and doesn't work for, you know, another person. Mm. I think feedback's a big key, you know. And I think sometimes as guys, we... We don't want that feedback because we feel like people are, might be critical and, you know, that can hurt our self-esteem or our pride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet to humble ourselves and say, no, I want to be better. You mm-hmm. know, I want to be a, better as a, as a husband, as a father, as a leader at work. I want to be better and, and to be open to receive feedback. That, I think that's powerful. So, and, and it's hard. Oh, you yeah, know, you yeah. Know, it's, it's very you don't hard. Because yeah, right? your, your pride wants you to, you know, no, we're doing it. Now that you said this, we're really not going to do it that way. We're going to do it a different way. And, you know, I've had probably, you know, quite a few cases in, in, in my career that, you know, I've really listened and whether it be a coach or whether it be a player, whether we did the exact thing or something kind of around it. Um, but again, at the end of the day, everybody has to be on board and to get everybody on board, sometimes it can't be your way every mm-hmm. single time. You have to be able to work together with, with who you have. And, um, and again, communication I think is very vital. Mm. Yeah, and what works in one place probably what doesn't work in the other, right? I mean, Correct. I'm sure moving from guys. Valpo to Vandy is, you know, it's, it's probably a big change, I would think, you know. In a lot of ways similar, okay. um, private schools, but in a lot of ways, obviously also very different. I mm-hmm. think, you know, anytime you have a new employees, kind of players, I guess, could be employees under us if you view it in the business world. Um, you know, you're trying to build a relationship very quickly. Mm-hmm. And until you go through experiences together, do you really, you know, see things? So... You know, before at Valpo, when I had people who had known me for a few years, it was, you'd have to explain as much or go into the whys, but I think anytime, you know, a new team or new players come in, you have to go back to kind of that why process. And again, it takes time, but then as you get through that time period, it's actually, you know, absolutely way more beneficial because now you have that relationship and they know exactly what you're thinking and, and, and how to move forward. So that does take some time, but I think once you get there, I think it helps the, our player or employee be better yeah. and it helps the coaches or the, the, the presidents or owners be better because they know how to deal with that person. Mm. Yeah, that relationship side, that trust is so important. Now you build that already in the recruiting stage, I'm Correct. sure. Correct. I mean, how, how does that recruiting work? I mean, you're going into homes and is that a, a, an easy thing for you or is that a challenging thing for you? You know, the nice thing is, is with my faith and my values yeah. and things that I stand for, um, it makes it a lot easier because I don't have to worry about lying. Yeah. I don't have to worry about trying to, to twist stuff so much that it's not going to be accurate. You know, we're just very honest when we go into a living room. And I think, you know, 
student athletes and families are going to be attracted to what we're offering or they're not going to be attracted and usually it happens pretty quickly mm. and so you know as we build our program at Vanderbilt you know hopefully as we recruit players that come in hopefully nobody's going to leave you know 40 percent of division one basketball players leave schools you know wow. hopefully we don't get that percentage hopefully we're below that uh, because we're being very honest in the recruiting process and very honest during their time you know when they're with us. See, that's huge. I mean, employee retention is a big deal that everybody faces, you know, and, and how do you do that? You build that rapport, that trust, mm -hmm. and I think that matters. So when you talk about your faith, what are some of the defining moments for you kind of in your faith journey yeah. as you look back? You know, very blessed to have Christian parents. Yeah. I think, you know, not everybody had that upbringing, and it, it's, you know, I'm always um, amazed at someone who didn't have that, that then... You know, it happened in, in college or after college, just the, um, the commitment that is that, you know, with your family not being at the same area you are to, to really believe and, 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 and go in that direction. So for myself, I feel very blessed to have support at home, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, in my faith. But I would say the, the, one of the biggest times came was when I was in high school. So basketball, we talked about basketball, how important yeah. it was to me. I had a heart issue. It was called AV node reentry tachycardia, if any doctors are listening out there or, or medical people. And so it was a rapid heartbeat. So I would play in a game and I would like jump and do something and my heart would go into this different arrhythmia and it would go, we timed it one time, it was like 250 beats a minute. Whoa. So it was like four beats a second. So it was obviously very scary. Hank Gathers, if you're a basketball fan, yeah. just had some stuff before that and passed away. Reggie Lewis for the Boston Celtics. And this was like a year after that. And so, you know, my parents obviously are very concerned. But I'm like, I want to play basketball. I want to play basketball. And so I ended up taking three procedures to get everything cleared up. Um, but I remember during one of the procedures, uh, it was my first one, my mom gave me a verse. and was Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And I remember laying on that operating table. And at the time, this procedure was kind of newer. You know, they hadn't had as many. Now it's a routine surgery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a sophomore in high school, you know, you have to sign the papers that if they mess up the surgery, you know, you can't do anything. You know, all that type stuff. Yeah. And so laying on the table, you know, I was like, you know what, this is great that my parents, you know, have, have, you know, raised me. But at this table, you know, I really don't have control right now. It's like I'm either going to wake up and have a pacemaker, maybe never play basketball again. I'm you know, going to wake up, be completely healed, um, or if something goes wrong, you know, who knows, you know, I could wake up and, you know, not be here. Yeah. And, and at that point, you know, I think my faith became, I know my faith became my own, and I wanted to go to church. If my parents weren't going, I was going to go. You know, it, it became who I was, and I remember there's a shirt that I wore, you know, some years after that, that faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. And at that moment, you know, I kind of felt, hey, you know, I don't know what's going my life, but you know what, you know, God, God knows he's in control. I just need to give it to him. And this needs to be, you know, my relationship and not just my parents or my family. So that was a really big breakthrough for me in high school. And I think I lived my life a lot differently and I, my approach is a lot differently, you know, because of that. Oh, yeah. That, that's the defining moment for you, right? That mm -hmm. was it. And uh, what an impact. And I think for everybody, you know, it, it didn't just become your parents' faith anymore or, you know, your church's faith. It became mm -hmm. your faith and you followed Christ. And what a difference God's made in your life. Do you think back on that often or is that something you kind of hold on to, that commitment you made there? You, you know, obviously I'm not perfect and, and we're in a sinful world and mm -hmm. there's so many ups and downs, you know, throughout the day, you know, trying to, to, to stay close to God and build your relationship. 
um, you know, with the Lord. And, and you know, as, as it went through, you know, obviously there's ups and downs and there's times that, man, I look back and I wish that I could have been better. And then I go to that and see how God really changed my life. Um, you know, I think in the NBA, you know, there was a time in my life that I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. Mm. And that was kind of a second big, big time in my life that, that God really drew me in. And, you know, I listened to a lot of secular music, not saying secular music is bad, mm. any of that. But I went through about six months that I just, like, God kind of fast. I just cut a lot of stuff out of my life. Mm. Um, I didn't date a girl for six months. And, and God just really worked on my heart. It was a time I spent. I got out of the NBA. And I came out and, and again, you would think leaving the NBA is a tragedy, but I was actually way happier, way better person, um, you know, a closer relationship with, uh, with the Lord, you mm. know, through that process. So, you know, I think throughout the time, God, God, you know, gives you different things. And then obviously, this is a big transition year for, for me. And, and again, not knowing a lot of people in Nashville, you know, I think God, you know, yourself, you know, others have brought Christian men uh, to give you great influence in your life. And, you know, that's a great thing about the Lord and about, you know, um, believing in Jesus. You can mm -hmm. find Jesus followers all over. Yeah. And uh, there's an instant connection and an instant, um, you know, relationship there. And, and I think as a new person coming to Nashville, I'm very grateful, you know, of, to you and, and mm -hmm. to others for what they've done in that area. Well, it, we're thankful for you, Coach, too. And, and, and what I've loved is you've made that a priority, right? I mean, you get involved in church and you're just like, your time with the Lord and your witness, it, it's, it's who you are. It's not just an add-on. It's who you are, and you're living that. How did you see your dad model that for you? Mm. My, my dad, there was really no separation with his coaching, with our family, and, you know, I got to see him, you know, live his faith through his job. Mm. And so he was working at a, at a private Christian school, a small NAI Christian school, Bethel College, which is up by Notre Dame in Indiana. And so, you know, obviously I got to see him pray with his team every day, got wow. to see them do chapels, go on mission trips, you know, all of those things growing up. So he, you know, how he lived was his job and how he disciplined his players was how he disciplined my brother and myself. <laughs> and so I got to see, you know, his, <clears throat> his faith in action, but then I got to see, you know, the family atmosphere of Christianity, of mm. his, of work and... <clears throat> excuse me, and all coming together. Yeah. And so it was a great example growing up. Mm. Now, how has that impacted you? I mean, you're a dad now, you know, and you have a wonderful wife and a great son. How has that being a dad impacted you now in your faith? Um, tremendously. And I still rely on my dad yeah. um, for other Christian men for, for mentorship and, and guidance. I think with our work, we can get distracted very quickly. We can work really hard and and this year, you know, we worked really hard for a long time. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, a few days ago, I kind of just took two days and, you know, just hung out with my little guy for a couple of days. I'm exhausted. I hurt my back from picking him up. But I, I, I really <laughs> admire what my wife goes through every day when I'm not there. But uh, it was uh, a, a great time. And I think just my dad taking time when I was young and other people speaking in my life that, hey, you got you to gotta take time to be with your family, to be with your you know, your, your little boy. And so I did that. I didn't go to the final four in Phoenix. I stayed back and, you know, worked in the office a little bit, but it was a big part was just to be with him for a couple straight days and just hang out with him. So again, like you had talked, those impacts, you know, 20 years from now, I don't know if that final four is going to matter. I was there, but those two or three days with my son, hopefully is going to make a bigger impact. That's huge. What does that look like for you in your family? Personally, your time with the Lord, and then what does it look like for you with your wife and, and your child now? What does that look like spiritually? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I try to find, you know, I'm best, you know, my wife and I do some things together, obviously pray, mm -hmm. um, read some things. Mm -hmm. But 
for me, for my personal, I'm best when I'm by myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing by myself, whether it's in the car, um, going to and from work, or mm-hmm. whether it's recruiting. Um, we're on the, the road a lot, so hotel rooms, you know, I, I really don't turn on TVs much in hotel rooms. It's really when I get away from work, I get away from stuff. It's some great time that, you know, I can just spend with the Lord. And so my personal time, you know, when I get, usually it's out of Nashville. Yeah. It's usually some of my best time um, for, to really, you know, dig deep and, and work on myself. Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of about the team you coached this year? You know, I'm most proud of of where we started to, to where we ended. Mm. And, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, we, we, we were just in a different place with a, a mentality as a, as a team, with, um, you know, things that we focused on as a team. You know, when adversity would come, how we'd react to that adversity. And then to the end of the year, we were a totally different team. It was just a transformation mm. with how we reacted to adversity, to how we interacted with each other, um, to the support and love that we had for each other, and it was more mm. about team at the end of the year. And so, you know, I, I, I can say I've been around a lot of teams in my life. I don't think I've seen a change as much from, again, only three healthy guys, no double-digit returning scores at the beginning of the year, um, to what we got at the end of the year. And again, Vanderbilt has unbelievable young men, and our mm-hmm. team is unbelievable, you know, young men. And it's it's a joy to be able to work with such high-caliber young men that that value, you know, things, and, and they were able to, you know, really excel in those areas this year. So, you know, the credit goes to them. You know, they worked hard. They adjusted, which is a hard thing to do as a teenager, mm-hmm. and, um, and they really did a great job accepting a new coaching staff. I love it. Well, you did an awesome job coaching this year. Hey, what, what advice would you give us? You know, we're, we're all men. We're all called to be spiritual leaders in, a, in our homes, in our workplaces, mm-hmm. and uh, whether we think about it or not, what we do impacts others and it impacts generations. What advice would you give us about being spiritual leaders? You know, I don't really have good <laughs> advice. I usually get advice from others and then, then that's what I say. And then, um, <clears throat> Cause I'm trying to obviously grow and be a better leader in mm-hmm. my house and, and at work and in and, and, and other areas. You know, you know I, the biggest thing I'd say is just, you know, trying to be Christ focused and, and, you know, decisions that you make or, you know, before you even start your day, you know, really focusing on, on where Christ wants you that day and what he wants you to do, what he wants you to say, mm-hmm. you know, where he wants you to spend your time and, and just trying again to, to be aligned with what his will is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think you, myself, you know, I can fight God a lot on, on what his will, but his will is going to be done, yeah. you know, <laughs> n- n- no matter what we fight. So really sovereign, trying yeah. to, you know, again, give it to God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then trying to live that way you know, through what he wants me to do, but try to put him obviously beforehand and, and at the center of decisions that I make throughout a whole day. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, right, that's how you prepare. I mean, because the stakes are high, but being prepared means that you prepare spiritually, you know. Uh, every morning, and I pray, you know, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in his sight, you mm-hmm. know, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And, and I do, because I just think about what I say and what I do. And you know, I mean, all of us, we're far from perfect, mm-hmm. but for us to lift up Christ and for us to model him. Um, so Bryce, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. When people look back at your life, uh, what do you want people to say? What do you want your legacy to be? You know, for, first, I think my, my legacy, hopefully, you know, will be, you know, a Christ follower that mm. finished strong, that ran the race, and, and you know, we're all going to see him in heaven one day. You know, that, that's, you know, my biggest one. Again, yeah. wins and losses are going to come and go. 
you know, coaches are hired to get fired eventually. Um, it's just, you know, the nature of the world. Again, people, you can't please people all the time. You can't get great results all the time. But, you know, hopefully your heart can be aligned with trying to follow God, you know, hopefully all the time, the best that you can. And so at the end of the day, you know, you know having my, my son, you know, really respect me, you know, hopefully want to be like me, me setting a great example for him, and hopefully him, myself, you know, my wife, hopefully all of us up in heaven one day, you know, that would be a legacy that, that obviously the number one one that I'd want to leave with. Amen. Good job. That's awesome. Hey, we got time for a couple of questions. Great. Okay with that? Great. Thomas? No surprise, we've got some MBA questions here. So, um, <laughs> Bryce, what did you learn about living out your faith in a culture like the NBA that helped you when you started coaching? How does that change how you prepare kids for basketball and for life? You know, I'm very thankful to have every city I went to, I would find some Christian friends, and they were just tremendous for me, you know, with being in a different city. And so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, they've really helped me get through, you know, those times. You know, I... I the NBA has chapels before every game. And so, you know, about an hour or so before every game, you can go and go to a, a chapel. And so That's I met awesome. a lot of players that, that were, you know, had the same beliefs as me in those rooms that, 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 that we talked and talked about, you know, the ups and downs and, mm. and, um, of life and, and how it goes into the workplace. Yeah. So I really learned a lot, you know, through, through those chapels um, with sports. And, and with life and how, how to go through adjustments and changes and things. And so those are very helpful. Um, and so, you know, you know, for me, again, I got to see a lot of things in those years and I got to evaluate a lot of things. And again, I think at the end of the day, my faith came out stronger because you look at the NBA and growing up, you know, I did, you know, I mean, I mean, it's such a high platform. You think these guys are invincible, but at the end of the day, you, you know, we're all just, you know, men that, that God created and, mm -hmm. and we all have sin in our life. And you know, which direction are we going to choose to live? And, you know, we're all just men. doesn't matter if they're NBA, not in the NBA. You know, we're all the same. And I think as I got there and, and I saw that, you know, again, it made things really real to me um, mm -hmm. that, you know, what this is not the most important, you know, thing in the world. Wow. That's awesome. You know what's great about that is you were intentional. Like, I'm going to find some Christian friends. I'm going to go to chapel. I mean, that's how your faith grows, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when we begin to drift and we stop being intentional in our faith, that's when we get off track spiritually and everything else <laughs> unravels. Yeah, I, 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 I tell the story a lot, but it's still one of my favorite um, NBA stories. I play with Charles Barkley, and Charles is awesome. And so I know on TV he says some crazy stuff, but he has got a huge heart. Really? And, uh, and he is great behind the scenes with his teammates. He's probably the best basketball teammate maybe I've ever had. Wow. Um, just with, with his... The round mound to rebound. Yeah, the round mound <laughs> to rebound. And so, so we're on a plane and there's some mechanical issues. And we got Hakeem Olajuwon, Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley on the team. Three top 50 of all-time players. And, and smoke's coming out. Fast forward the version. Smoke's coming out of the plane a little bit. Guys start to get worried. Then some buzzers start going off. And so, you know, Charles Barkley, you know... In his, you know, comedian type, you know, voice, you know, he goes, I don't know what's going to happen if this plane's going to go down. Um, he goes, but I know one thing. He's like, he's like me, and he named another one of our players, Brent Price, who was a believer, and Bryce Drew. It's like, like we're going to heaven. I don't know where the rest of you guys are going. We're going to heaven. And so, and so the funny thing was, it was the beginning of the year, and we had never talked about religion, about spiritual things. I don't even. He was, he was not at a chapel as the beginning of the year that I was at. So. Again, I think that, that kind of spoke to me about, you know, my actions, how I live, you know, can make a difference, um, you know, with people observing, because here's a future you know, Hall of Famer, top 50, and yet he's observed how I've lived 
my life just wow. in the short span I've been in the NBA. And so, you know, for myself, you know, I, I think again, that was like, you know, even though I'm not saying anything to him about Jesus, I've never done it, probably never will in a conversation because <laughs> we just didn't have those conversations. You know, he's still observing, you know, and how that I'm living. That's powerful. I mean, that's huge. I, I pray in all of our workplaces that people would be able to say that about us, you know. That's, that's awesome. All right, another question. Okay, so if you don't name one of the athletes that you just named, then I don't, I don't know who this uh, answer could be. <laughs> who is the best player you ever played with? Who is the best you've ever played against? And what set them apart in your mind? Yeah, you, you know, I'll go um, uh, the best um, athlete that I ever played against and with. So I get to training camp my second year with the Rockets. And they had just made all these trades. And they had brought in Steve Francis um, from Maryland. Uh, to be our guard and so I was kind of projected to, to start during the summer and then this trade happened and now I was projected to back up and so I was like you know what he's a rookie he came out early you know I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go and improve you know I should be starting over Steve France who they just traded all these people for and so the very first day of training camp you know the very first stretching exercise we start to stand up and we do some you know, karaoke, high knees, and I look down at Steve Francis, and I'm like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like this guy, he is so athletic, and, and, and sure enough, he was, he was so good and so athletic, but it was amazing just how quickly, like I saw in warm-ups, how, how he was moving. I was like, okay, these guys, are, he's really good. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble, and he was just so athletic, and so, you know, there were so many good players, but a lot of the really athletic guards, obviously, I had a hard time with at the time. But then also the length of the NBA. Um, you can't see it on TV, but, you know, my length and my size is just, it's, it's hard to, you know, against six, seven, really long, you know, with seven-foot wingspans, guys contesting your shots and things. Oh, and, so, yeah. and so, again, on TV, it doesn't look like it, but when you get out there, it's a totally different deal. Um, just trying you know, to get a shot a up. Yeah, trying to get a shot up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, one last question. Okay, how do you deal with ego-driven players, fans, etc.? I'm sure there's none of those, uh, that think you, they are smarter than you or know more than you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, and I tell our team this, you know, I don't have, you know, every single answer. You know, I'm not going to make every correct decision during the game. You know, we're going to research everything the best we can. We're going to evaluate everything the best that we can. We're going to be as honest as we can. And we're going to make the best decisions that we can, you know, that we think is the best for our program and for our team. And so, you know, with the players, I'm very big on statistics. And so if a player is unhappy with things, we, we try to bring him in. And first, I want to let him know where he stands, you know, exactly, you know, why I'm not playing him, you know, the whys of it all. And then I want to give him data to support it. You know, here's your shooting percentages. You know, here's how our team does when you're on the court. We're just not playing very well. You know, if your team can play well when you're on the court, then, yeah, I want you to do that. You're going to play more minutes. And, and so, you know, I've been the best player on the team, and I've been the worst player on the team. And so I've always been better as a player when I knew exactly where I stood, what I needed to do. And so mm. that's kind of the stance I take with our guy who's playing every minute to a guy who's not getting off the bench. Here's the reasons, here's what you have to do to get to that point. And so you're never going to please every player. You're never going to please every media person. You're never going to please every fan. Um, again, we went to the NCAA tournament, and I still was getting, you know, some emails criticizing, you know, things that we've done. And so, you know, it gets to the area where you just have to develop hopefully some thick skin and, and, and value the right information that comes for help. And then the information you don't feel is supportive or you don't need for help, then, you know, kind of brush that to the side. 
Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I mean, you, you have to find your identity in Christ. I mean, you can't listen to everybody else. If you do, you're going to go crazy. You exactly. Know? And, uh, and do the best that you can. Do the best yeah. that you can, right, for the glory of God. So that's awesome. Well, Bryce, let me pray for us. Guys, let's pray Great. together. And then, Thomas, I know you got a couple of things to say. But, Father, thank you for today. I thank you for Coach Drew. I thank you, Father, for his heartbeat, his love for you, his desire to make an impact, Father, for your name and your glory in our day, in our generation. And so I pray a blessing on him. I pray, uh, Father, for the, the men, the young men that he will coach, that he will disciple, that he will lead. I pray a blessing on him as a husband, as a father. And God, I pray for all of us. I pray that, God, we would be men after your heart, that we would follow you all the days of our life. And God, in the highs and the lows, that people would look at us and they would say, hey, there's something different about them. There's something different about the way they handle success or even when they handle challenges and that they would see that it's Christ and Christ alone. So Father, we dedicate our lives to you and we pray that you would use us for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bryce. Uh, guys, two things as we wrap up today. Uh, just first, as a reminder, you'll receive, if you've signed up and given us your email, you'll receive a Men's Leadership Network Rewind email today. Uh, that'll have the copy of today's uh, podcast and interview, and then also it'll give you access to almost 40 other uh, interviews that we've conducted over the last couple of years. It's exciting that we've, we're, we've really built this library of, of topics that are important to men. So uh, look out for that email, uh, as well as links to other, other interviews. Uh, secondly, make sure you grab this card here, the Men's Leadership Network card, on the back of it. It's got the uh, list of the speakers and the, the uh, other interviews that we're having this semester. Uh, so, so make a note of that. It's a great lineup again, awesome content across all areas that, that, uh, that, that, that men are trying to prepare themselves for in their lives. So uh, some really good contact this week. Uh, I want to make sure to, to reference our, our guest next week. We have the chairman of the Lee Company, Bill Lee, also a potential candidate for the governor of Tennessee. Okay, So you're not going to want to miss this as Bill's going to be talking to us about how to prepare to lead when you are called. Uh, so we're going to start again next week, next Thursday, 6.30. We'll get going with breakfast. And then we'll kick off at 7 o'clock with our interview. Hope you can make it. Thank you.